But they missed the playoffs this year's a gigantic failure because like they ha- I think the Kings have a good team. Mm-hmm. Like their their weakest link is the goaltending, but Cam Dalp Talbot showed that he's been good enough to like win for this team if they play well enough in front of him. Like I, the way they're playing right now is completely unacceptable. Welcome back to another episode, fellas. I'm Zach, your host, joined by one of my favorite co-hosts of all time, Preston. And how is your evening going so far? Uh, it's going pretty okay. Just watched the Lions have like the biggest collapse I've ever seen in my life. Um, well, not no, actually, no, the second biggest collapse I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I don't think anything will ever be worse than twenty-eight to three in the Super Bowl. That uh, both both were pretty bad. The Lions were up by seventeen points going into halftime. If, uh, twenty-eight was, to three is just different. Twenty-eight yeah, to three that, is different. Yeah, that's a whole another yeah, level. Super Bowl. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but so we're basically coming up on the All Star break, and there's a couple guys right now that are having scoring at an insane rate. Austin Matthews is one of them, obviously we all know, and the other one is Sam Reinhardt of the Florida Panthers. This season, in forty-nine games played, he has thirty-seven goals right now. He's on pace for sixty-two goals, and with Nylander just having getting eleven million dollars just a couple weeks ago, can we see Reinhardt getting the same exact type of deal here, or would that kind of be a stretch? I I don't think any I don't I can't see him getting eleven million dollars. I definitely I think he get ten million. I honestly think he can. Uh, you know, because looking at his stats, he's pretty like he's always been a consistent player. You know, he had once the last like. Since 2016-7, actually since 2015, uh, he's only had one season under 40 points, and that was the COVID year. They only played 54 games. So, like, other than that, he's been a pretty consistent player. Obviously, the last few years have been like taken to another level since he got to the Panthers. You know, 82 points his first year. It's only 67 last year, but he already has 62 this year. You know, he's just a proven all-around player now. Like, he's scoring at an unreal pace. Uh I, I could definitely see a team maybe offering him around $10 million. I can't see him getting more than Nylander, though. Nylander's proven to be more consistent over a longer period of time with a higher point value. I, I, I kind of agree with that, but I do think that a team's going to try to give him a long-term contract between 10 to $11 million, especially if he does put up 55, 60 goals this season. But at the age of 29, like we've seen teams do it time and time again. Most recently, the Calgary Flames, a guy comes off a career season at the age of 29, 30, 30 years old. They give him a long-term contract with seven-plus million dollars, and they start to be fucking shit. That's what I'm going to say. They start to become a bad hockey player. Um, Huberto is one of those. You have Kadri, another one. And the Wild have done it to the St. Louis Blues. There's multiple examples. I just don't want a team to see Sam Reinhardt put up these type of numbers that he's only going to put up once in his career. And they make the mistake of going out, giving him a six, seven year long term deal. It'll be until he's like 36 years old. And then he's also getting paid $10 million. And in two seasons, he's putting up 50 points. And it's like this contract is horrible i don't want to see a team do that but i know a team is definitely going to offer him because i mean being a ufa and hitting the open market and having 60 goals that's it's very very like if you're looking at that as a gm you're like i want that type of player on my team yeah i mean you you, you like you mentioned like a guy like jonathan huberdo i i want to say he's necessarily a bad player I just do not think he fits that Calgary Flames team like at all. He was in a really good situation in Florida. He had a really good line. 
really great, great line mates, and you know he wasn't going to be able to repl replicate that in Calgary. Uh, yeah, he is overpaid, but I wouldn't say he's bad. Uh, I, I feel like that happens a lot of teams when like a guy has like a career year or like he's been really good on a, a team the last few years, and he gets traded or signs with a team. That's a completely different play style, completely different like locker room. And so, sometimes guys just aren't fits, and they kind of get sucked into it because, like, they're stuck because of the contract they sign. So, uh, you know, I do think, you know, Sam Reinhart probably will get a little overpaid, you know. When you're coming off a career, he picked a great year to have a career year because there's $6.5 million, that's a bargain for him right now. I, I really don't see a way the Panthers can keep him. Uh, they, they're kind of tied up against the cap, and, you know, they got a lot of pending UFAs, and they, they got to fill out that depth. I know the cap's going up by $5 million, but, you know, other guys are going to get paid more too. So, uh, Anton Lundell is a good young player who's going to get along, uh, probably is going to warrant an extension. Brandon Montour, what do they do with him? Uh, Gustav Forsling, um, you know, they have a few, like, good players that they would probably want to keep around. I, they're going to have to decide how much, you know, Sam Reinhardt is valuable to them in the long term. You know, obviously, I think he's a really important part of their team. Um, I think this is a perfect fit for him. He's, he slots in that second line perfectly, and he could play on the first line if he need, they need him to, and he's also a great power play guy. He's just a great all-around player. He always has been. I, I just don't – I don't know how the Panthers can make it work long-term without having to sacrifice some of that depth they have. Yeah, and I'm looking at his power play stats right now, and he gets a lot of power. I mean, he has 20 power play goals this season, which is already a career high of 16 that he hit him back. Was well, it more season. than like like six, six or seven teams he has more power play goals than? Yeah, it's it, it's ridiculous. And he's, he's the guy that on the power play, he's the go-to guy, and they go to him when really over there on the left wing, well, more in front of the net, but like in the left corner and in front of the whatever, him and Matthew Kachuk kind of share like that space. Um, but like Sam Reinhardt, like you, you see this time and time again where guys come off career seasons and he's going to get a deal in which he gets the 10 to $11 million. And again, like you say, that the Panthers tight on cap, could he go somewhere else? I think he most definitely will. Um, who, but although the Panthers can make it work, we've seen teams do it time and time again where they're tied up against the cap and they have a guy that is going to be getting paid and they just make it work and bring him back. So the, can the Panthers make it work? Yes, but also Sam Reinhart has the right to explore its options and take the best deal. Not only that he feels like for his family, but also himself as a player as well. Does he? Now the Panthers are a Stanley Cup contender. So do you be like, okay, like I want to try to win a championship with here. I established a house and a home here with his family and everything. Does he do that and maybe try to take eight and a half, nine million, eight and a half? It seems really low off the season. He's coming off even nine million, but can he take a kind of a discount to try to win a chip in Florida? Or does he go like, oh, he wants to get paid now and he goes somewhere that maybe isn't as great of a team or as great as a fit? for Sam Reinhardt himself, but he's like, he's getting $11 million. It's long-term. He can just focus on him and his family there, um, whether it's in California, although California taxes suck. Um, same with Florida, but at the same time, though. Um, well, maybe... I mean, what California teams are you going to go to? I mean, the Ducks aren't going to be good. The Sharks aren't going to be good. I, I can't see him going to California. That's fair. Okay. The Kings, the Kings, can't, the Kings don't need him. That's fair. Well, even though they want him, they can't afford him, so. 
Um, that's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, though he's he's gonna have to make a big decision this off season. And honestly, I'm kind of excited to see where he goes, whether he stays in Florida or he goes somewhere else. But I think if he well, he if winning is more important to him right now, I think he'll stay find a way to stay in Florida. Mm-hmm. My question is like, obviously, I think it, and from his term, he's gonna want a long term deal with a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way the Panthers make this work is if it's a shorter-term deal, maybe front front load a contract. I'm I'm not sure how they make that work, but um, I do think it would be the best interest of both the player and the team to find a way to make it work, to find a way to stick around. But I mean, are, are there any teams you feel that could be a good fit for him going into next year? Oh, um, let me let me think about this. Because I mean, we got to think I of teams think, with like uh, that are gonna have a lot of cap space going into next year. I, I um, see like a, a, a team like Chicago like just screams Chicago, to, to me because has a ton of cap space, and I mean, you always like we saw it just this past off season. You get guys building around Connor Bedard. Could they go out and give Reinhardt a deal and be like play on the first sign with Connor Bedard? Like, I mean, that could totally be the case as well. Like, and now. Like, if you're Sam Reinhardt and everything, you could be thinking, like, okay, like, he gets to play with Connor Bedard, a generational talent. And you're like, like, okay, like, Chicago's a bad team. But it's different playing with Chicago than playing with another horrible team. Let's just draw San Jose, for example, that, okay, or Anaheim, whatever. Anaheim has a lot of young youth, but Sam Reinhardt doesn't have four or five seasons to wait around to have all these guys coming up through the prospect pool to develop by that time he's going to be 34 years old probably going to be on the decline and everything so he's going to want to stay away from those teams that even though they have a ton of prospects whatever or young youth coming up through the organization he's going to want to play with talent around him and now Chicago is like at the bottom of the standings but again you get to play with kind of Bedard and who would give up that opportunity you know but if he if he's not in Florida but I mean I'm, I'm trying to look at the Cap space for teams going into next year. Yeah. Uh, this website's a piece of crap. It's not working. It sucks. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Ducks have a lot of cap space. The Predators have a lot of cap space. Actually, uh, Chicago. Um, you know how crazy would it be if he ends up back in Buffalo? <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to that, though. Oh, neither would I. I think he would. But. Uh, <laughs> he would. <laughs> It's going to be interesting, but I don't even think like he's thinking of a contract right now. I think he just wants to keep playing well yeah. and you know try to win a cup. Like, I mean, they got so close last mm-hmm. year. Go out and try to do it again. I mean, I'm looking at, like, you can't always count out Detroit either. Um, but that's just, oh, yeah. that's just, that's I don't just know the if team he's, I'm I don't know out. if he's part of the Iser plan. No, that's, that's just, uh, that's just the team I'm throwing out. But yeah, though, I, like, Buffalo though, I I don't want to talk about Buffalo in the situation, but I don't I don't I would love him to be back in Buffalo, but I just don't see him coming back. Um, if I yeah. was him, if I was him though, I'd either try to a get a long term deal with a ton of money, or b maybe take a discount on a championship contender, just try to ring, win a ring at this point of his career. But I mean, I honestly I think Chicago would I think it would be an attractive team for him to play. Like obviously they suck right mm-hmm. now. They're injured to hell and back. You know, Connor Bedard hasn't played in almost a month. So like yeah, they're gonna be bad, but they have a ton of cap space. They have a, they're gonna get another top five pick in the draft this year, potentially number one again, because they're gonna be a lot top three lottery team most likely. So, you know, things could change really quickly there. 
If they get if, if they get the number one and Celebrini's in Chicago, Sam Reinhart, you are a Chicago Blackhawk. And they still have they still have Tyler Hall too. Yes. Um, so like right away they're gonna have a pretty solid at least top six if that happens, but Yeah. But we'll see if that happens. Um Yeah. And a team that's we've talked about before and it's struggling mightily coming off a 100-point season last season, and now they're sitting towards the bottom of the Western Conference, are the Minnesota Wild. 49 games played, 47 points, and they are kind of in the middle of no land because I feel like they should be almost sellers at the deadline. I know we talked about that last night uh, between us two, but we're like, well, what can the Wild do to be sellers here at this point? I mean, they have a couple vets on their team that I could definitely see them you know, moving on from. You know, uh, Bill Guerin's kind of been busy. He's he signed a, quite a few guys to extensions you know, throughout past offseason, the beginning of this year. You know, Matt Zuccarello got a two-year extension. Marcus Foligno, four years. Ryan Hartman, a three-year extension. You know, he just uh, Matt Boldy just started his uh, his long-term deal. I mean, obviously, a guy that jumps off the page to me of possibly getting moved is probably, probably Patrick Maroon. I, I definitely think he gets traded. Uh, you know, he's, he, I think any play, I, honestly, I think Tampa might want him back. Like just give him like a fifth or sixth round pick and have him go back to Tampa, a team where he's already fit in really well there. You know, he won two cups with them. Um, another guy, like they have a few, uh, veteran defensemen, Alec Oligowski, Zach Bogosian. I could definitely see them moving on from guys like that. Just, you know, veteran guys that, you know, probably aren't in their long-term plans. You know, if you can even get like a sixth or fifth round pick, you know, I, I take it. You, but I, I think the biggest guy that's going to be available from the Minnesota Wild, obviously, is Mark Andre Fleury. Um, you know, he's he's thirty nine years old. He's not what he used to be, but he's still, you know, he's Mark Andre Fleury. You know, just to have a guy like that in any team, you know, he's, I've heard he's a great locker room guy. He's a super funny guy. You know, he's awesome to be around. All the team, all his teammates love him. You know, he's he's won uh, what through two cups? Yeah, he won two cups, two with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Vegas kind of fucked him out of a third one, but <laughs> oh. uh, but regardless, yeah, uh, I, I could definitely see you know flurry. I I, I think I can pretty much get unless he explicitly states he does not want to get traded and he doesn't care. He just wants to like he doesn't want to deal with to get the trade, and he just like I'll just finish the year in Minnesota. And I'll figure out what's next from there. I, they're going to trade him. I'd be I, stupid not to. Did I I agree? Did you see? I don't know if you saw on social media that um, I know it was a while ago. Um, but when he went back to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's fans were chanting his name, saying "We want uh, Flurry" or "We want Mark Andre Flurry" or something like that. Whatever. It was it was it was a couple months ago though when they. I mean, if Sidney Crosby's like, hey, like <laughs> they like if they get towards the trade deadline and they're like within a like fighting spot for a playoff spot, and uh like. And he's like, "Hey, we kind of need a backup goalie. I, I know we got Jari as our starter, but what about this guy Flurry? Like, I know him really well. We're really good friends. Like, you should go get him. Come on, Dubis. I mean, you want to get Eric Carlson when I asked? Go get my friend. They're building the retirement home over there in Pittsburgh if they get him. Um, although I, I think that would be. I, I, I'm sorry, I made a joke to Pittsburgh Penguins fans because I know he's very beloved in Pittsburgh. I." I, I like you could be like oh it's a feel good story and everything I don't think that Pittsburgh should trade him unless really... oh no I don't, I don't think they need to trade for him either no. I think that'd be stupid it would just be like a, a media thing but yeah that that would be something else so I'm all for trading like Pittsburgh trading for them if they needed a goaltender but Jari and Nedeljkovic are doing just fine in Pittsburgh so there's no need to 
Jari's been underrated. I feel like not a lot. I mean, he kind of has a big fuck up every once in a while, but he's been like, I mean, he's pretty, pretty solid. He has, he has five shutouts this year. That's what? That's top of the league. I don't know. Yeah, tied, tied for first with Demko and Ingram. And 253 goes against with 913 save percentages. It's pretty good when coming into the season, uh, he gets that contract and everybody's like, oh, why'd you pay Tristan Jari? Now, Tristan Jari is, and can he be inconsistent? Yes, but he's putting up good stats. So, I mean. Unfortunately, with the goalie market, it, it's, it's, it's getting really hard to find a goalie. Mm-hmm. Just in general, in free agency through a trade. You, you kind of have to draft a good one, develop them, and try to keep them long-term. Like, that's kind of what's going on right now. Every once in a while, you'll get a, a starting caliber goalie, you know, that's available in free agency. Or, you know, gets, it's, it's, just, it's on the trade block. But I'd say probably like 80% of the time, most I feel, I feel like most teams in the league, their, their starting goalies are, are guys they drafted mm-hmm. and developed and were, were patient with. You have to draft, like, when it comes to the goalies, I think drafting a goalie and letting him develop and kind of hitting on your goalie draft picks now is more important than ever. The If, if like, we saw this past offseason, there weren't any great goaltenders on the market. Corpusello is really only the worth, the one, like, worth goaltender that could be an everyday starter. After coming off a good season with Columbus and L.A., he ends up getting overpaid by Ottawa, and now he's <laughs> one of the worst goalies in the league. So, again, like, it... With yeah, I, I feel like in my eyes, I, I feel like trying to draft and find a good goalie is trying to find a dra- find and draft a good quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, you obviously you want like an elite player like McDavid or something, but if you don't have a goal, I mean, look at the Oilers; they haven't won anything. Like they have, they have a really good team. They've not won. They've not even gotten close to a Stanley Cup. I know they got to the conference final once, but they got smoked in the conference final. They don't. They don't have a goalie, and they're not going to win until they get a goalie. You look at all the teams that are in playoff spots right now, whether it's in the East, West, whatever wild card division, and they all have great goalies. Bruins, Panthers, Lightning, all have great goaltending. Rangers, and the Rangers have great goaltending. Hurricanes and Flyers, meh. I mean, Vegas Flyers, has great goaltending. Right. Aiden Hills, beast. I think he's the perfect goalie for that team. That's that's a rare instance of like catching a dub on a, like a goalie trade. Mm-hmm. You know, they bought low on him, and he just turned out to be great for them. Yeah, and Stuart Skinner started turning it up, and look what happened. The Oilers have won 16 straight games. So, it, oh, if Stuart Skinner can keep developing and like he keeps playing like this, like the Oilers will be legit cup contenders. But until I see, you know him perform like steal them games i'm not gonna trust him if he can if he performs like this and they start winning like lower scoring games like i'll be okay like i'm bought in but... like they, they they don't need mcdavid and dry so go like psycho mode and like they can win a game like one or two to nothing like yeah that's when i'll start okay Stuart skinner's like yeah he's gonna be like a legit elite goalie pretty soon i mean he's he's been much better this year than i think last year i mean he's having that crazy win streak right now but you know he's still young he's only 25 which is really young for a goalie i I don't consider goalies old to like 27 28 goalies can take a while to develop so yeah um when going back to mark andre Fleury before we move on here well I know this might be a dumbfounded question about his legacy, but if he ended up, re- let's say he retires after the season, which I kind of do expect him to, is he going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer regardless. I think he's one of the best goalies of all time. Uh, you know, I mean, how he's was he? He's top five on the all-time wins. He's top three, maybe, right? Yeah. Let me look it up real quick. 
I know he's got yeah, he's he's second. Yeah, he's not gonna catch for Odor. No, no, <laughs> I don't no. think that. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if that record will ever be caught. Uh, but you know, no, no, no Flurry. If Flurry is an all-time great player, you know, he's won a Vesna, uh, mm-hmm. three Stanley Cups. Yeah, yeah, he did win. Yeah, he did win three. He was the back. He was the backup on the last. Yeah, he was on Pittsburgh when they won the second one. But yeah. the, like the oh, the back to back. Yeah, I forgot because he like kind of he played in the first two rounds and kind of carried them until uh, fuck, what's his name? Matt Murray. Matt Murray came back. Mm-hmm. No, in my opinion, like career wise, like looking at 552 wins, 912 career save percentage, 259 goals against average, 74 shots. This guy will be in the Hall of Fame as soon as he retires, no question. Mark Andre Fleury's legacy—he's like you said, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. His accolades, his stats, all back it up. I mean, he has three rings: uh, Vesna and a William M. Jennings Trophy. So he's—and also he has been in the Olympics multiple times. He's been to yeah, he, he's well, he's got a, he's a gold medalist too. Yeah, I many forgot about that. All star appearances. So he's he's a lock right now for the Hall of Fame. Oh, no doubt. I mean, he can, like, let in 10 goals every game for the rest of his, like, career, and every game he starts, he'll still be a first battle Hall of Famer. Exactly. Let us say, yo, he was old then. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he was he was 39 years old, man. Like, listen, give him a break. His 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 prime was re- – he had an insane prime, man. One of the best I mean, just, of all time. I mean, just looking at the list of guys around him on the wings, like, like Patrick Waugh, like – Berto Luongo, Belfort, Lundqvist just got in the Hall of Fame. Luongo, recent Hall of Fame. I have no doubt in my mind that Mark Andre Fleury will be a first battle Hall of Famer. So crazy that last season he had a 908 save percentage at the age of 38. Now the bigger question is: Does Pittsburgh retire his number? I would. I think they do. I, I think they do. I would. If, if Pittsburgh doesn't retire their, his number, he's they're out of their mind. Uh, I, yeah, they're, they're going to retire his number. They're going to retire Crosby, and they're going to retire Malkin. Those would three you, for sure. Would you retire with Tang's number? No, no, no. Okay, he's okay. he's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. Is he an all time great? No, no. Crosby's an all time great. Malkin's an all time great. Flurry's an all time great. You don't win those cups without those three players. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, get like Latang, great defenseman. Like he's a hall of very good. He he's not a hall of famer in my eyes. He's not a legend. You can't. Like, in my, like, like when I like to think of like Hall of Famers and legends. Like I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit off track. Can you can you tell the story of hockey without mentioning these guys' names? Like, can you tell the story of hockey without mentioning Crystal Tang? You uh, you can. Can you tell the story of hockey without Mark mentioning Mark Andre Fleury or Sidney nope. Crosby or Malkin? Like those guys are part a big part of NHL history. Like that's that's why I, that's why I try to separate. Like people have arguments all the time. It's like can you tell can you tell the story of this sport without mentioning this guy's names? Like even going to football, there's a big debate about whether Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer or not. Mm-hmm. You, in my opinion, like for, like for Eli Manning, you cannot tell the story about fo- football without him. He beat the greatest team of all time right. in the Super Bowl. Like I, I don't care what his stats are. Like he he's a legend. You you look at the Penguins and it's like okay, well Crosby put up ridiculous numbers. Malkin did, Flurry did, Latang was. I I don't want to say he wasn't there because he was a huge part of that core four that they had in Pittsburgh. But it's like, do they win the cups without Latang? I I think they still do. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's debatable. But he's not a Hall of Fame player. I, I think I, Pittsburgh just actually might retire his number just because of how much he meant to that organization. Yeah. He's definitely going to be like probably in the Pittsburgh Penguins like Hall of Fame like their thing whatever they do mm-hmm. like every team has their own Hall of Fame where like guys that 
not quite good enough to be in the real Hall of Fame or, or like they're like legends of the organization still. Like Latang, yeah, no question, he's a Pittsburgh Penguins, I think, legend, but he's not a hockey Hall of Fame legend. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I agree. Um, and speaking of the Penguins, they have been a disappointment all season. Although they went out acquired Eric Carlson, who offensively has been good, um, but defensively he has been legitimately so bad that him putting up the type of stats he's putting up offensively right now, it's it's his defensive game is so bad. It's like over- it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, the Penguins right now sit at 51 points in 46 games at the break, and they are currently six points out of a playoff spot behind the Red Wings, who had 57 points. Is should the Penguins tr- start to try to figure out like should they be sellers? Should they try to retain everybody? Like I know I've brought it up multiple times. I've seen it a bunch on social media too about maybe Jake Gensel. Could he be traded? Could he not? Even though he's a UFA at the end of the season, probably not. Especially if he's Sidney Crosby's right wing man over there. I would say that decision they make with Jake Gensel is gonna tell you whether they want gonna keep the core together and keep trying to win now, or gonna start rebuilding. In my eyes, I think if they trade Jake Gensel, let him walk in free agency. They're kind of saying we're 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 not good enough to win a cup. Mm-hmm. We need to start kind of rebuilding. You know, start preparing for the future a future without Sidney Crosby um I can't see that happening I think I think they'll find a way to take keep trade keep Jake Gensel and if they do trade him it will be some kind of big blockbuster trade where they're gonna get a lot back in return for him that keeps them that allows them to keep winning now if Jake Gensel gets traded then I don't know. I mean, that's kind of taken almost like a punch in the gut to everybody else on the roster, too. Um, it's like, okay, well, the team, the organization doesn't think we're good enough to win a cup or make the playoffs, whatever. So even though the Penguins realistically could be 10, if let's say they're 10, 12 points out by the deadline, it's still a punch in the gut, even though you're realistically looking at them not making the playoffs anyways. Um, I mean, Crosby, Crosby is almost like... Jake Ensel and Crosby are kind of almost linked together, right? They've been playing together since the cup runs back in 2016, 2017. Oh, Gensel was instrumental. They don't win those cups without him. 100%. And they've been playing together ever since. So it's like if Dubis goes ahead and trades Gensel without saying anything to Crosby, that's one, a huge smack in the face of Crosby, a huge smack in the face to the rest of the team. And I think that will... Honestly, it hurt the team more than help them. No matter the haul you get for Jake Gensel, you could get Connor fucking McDavid. Okay, that's maybe a little bit over exaggerating. You're not gonna do it anyways. Uh, but realistically though, if they get a couple picks, a couple prospects for Jake Gensel, whatever, um, that's it's still a slap in the face. Even though Jake Gensel's a UFA, even though you could trade him at the deadline, get him back in free agency, and not only get stuff for him, but also get him back. Uh, without trading anything to grab him back, uh, that's still a slap in the face of the Penguins. But I mean, what I see realistically happening with the Penguins, whether they make the playoffs this year or not, is I think they're, they're still going to commit to Sneak Crosby. He's still good. He's still an elite mm-hmm. player. You know, this is the last year of his contract next year. I think he gets an extension in the summer. There's no way they ever let him even think about being a free agent. I don't think Crosby ever wants to leave Pittsburgh. You know, they get Crosby signed long-term, and I do think they figure something out with... Uh, with Gensel to keep him around at least for the rest of Crosby's contract. What could I can see happening is 
let's say one, I'm assuming there's going to be internal talks between the organiz- between the front office and Sidney Crosby, Jake Ensel and Malkin and whoever else, right? And they're going to be internal talks, not only at the deadline, but also in the offseason, right? Like you mentioned, Crosby's contract is up. Let's say Crosby, okay, signs two more years to be back in Pittsburgh. And then after that, he's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do and everything. And then they go ahead, sign Gensel to two years, right? And let's say Crosby or whatever um, doesn't – not that he's going to come out publicly, but, you know, maybe internally and everything – he goes to whoever the GM, whether it's Dubis at the time or they fire Dubis, somebody else, whatever. And he's like, they're not firing Dubis. No, I know, I know. It's hypothetical. Um, yeah. But let's say Crosby goes to the front office in two years. Let's say he gets a two-year contract, or whatever. He's like, this is probably gonna be my last year, or whatever. Like, you know, uh, just letting you guys know. Um, at that point, Gensel could be traded if he, let's say, gets the same identical uh, term contract that Crosby does. Now, is that hypothetical? Yes, we don't know what's going to happen with Gensel at the deadline. Um, but again, it, as long as Crosby's in Pittsburgh, Gensel's probably going to be in Pittsburgh too. I'd be very shocked if not only he's traded at the deadline, but also they let him go in the offseason. But then again, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah, in the next I, few months. I, I, I would be surprised too. I would be very surprised. I mean, another thing I could see happening, I think Crosby will sign an extension this offseason no matter what. Yes. I'd be shocked like if they let him go into next year, like with that being the last year of his deal. They'll probably sign him to a two- or three-year extension. You know, get him to like around 40 years old. Uh, at the end of the contract, probably be one of his la- his last contract, if not his last contract. You know, get Gensel locked up for two or three more years, you know, to match the term, whatever Crosby is. And if Crosby starts to fall off or the team starts to kind of disappear, you can then trade Gensel to kind of jumpstart your rebuild. I think the Penguins do need to try to start building up some picks and prospects, although it's hard because you have... I mean, they, they went all in this year to try to win, and like I, I never thought they had a... I, I thought they could... Like, like fight for a playoff spot, but I don't think they're good enough to win a playoff series if they make the playoffs. No, they'll they'll be first round exits at best if they do end up going on a run and sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card team. They if they do sneak into the playoffs, it's probably going to be a wild card two team, and they'll probably get smoked by whether it's yeah. They they have to play like Boston, the Rangers, or the Hurricanes. Like I I don't, I don't think I had the, the Penguins are too slow. Yes, they're too. <laughs> Yeah, and they're not good enough defensively to win a playoff series. You have Eric Carlson. You trade for Eric Carlson, and then you also have Latang, who are you know good offensively, but then super bad defensively. And those are your top two defensemen. Like that's, it's not really going to work out anymore. They're not in their primes, or they're these ridiculous two-way defensemen anymore that could not only play offensively well and also play a great defensive game. They're just not I, the I same do- guys anymore. I do want to ask you a question though. Do you think yeah. that like Eric Carlson has been like, one of the more disappointing players this year after like a crazy year he had this year? You know the big trade. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to be in Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin. Like, imagine like he was doing this on a shitty team last year. Now he's on a, like a good team. Like this is going to be incredible. And you know he hasn't been horrible. I mean he only has thirty four points right. in forty six games. But like, I, 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 it doesn't really seem like he's been a good fit. Like, I, I remember Carlson even last year in San Jose. Like that team was garbage, mm-hmm. hot garbage. But he was incredible for them. Like he would, he would, he wasn't, the, he wasn't the reason they were losing games. I don't think he's been a great fit in Pittsburgh at all. And I think Carlson still has it offensively. Um, but like I saw somebody, I don't know where it, it might have been. I might have been watching a Penguins game, whatever. Um, Carlson and Latang are practically the same player at this point. 
And when you have, now you can look at it and be like, okay, you have both of them uh, as your power play quarterbacks or just co- your quarterbacks in general, whether it's even strength on the power play, whatever. You look at it, it's like, okay, that's great. Um, but the only problem with that is that the Penguins have tried them, that both of them on the power play multiple times at the same time. time, And it has, it's hurt the team more than helped the team. And I think getting a guy like Eric Carlson and trading away what you did and being in that three-team trade with the Sharks and Canadians uh, just wasn't great. Now I get your captain and your legend, the kid who basically saved your franchise, if not did save the franchise, went to you and was like, go get Eric Carlson. You go get him. You you don't, you, it's not like, okay, well, I don't know about that. No, Sidney Crosby goes to you and was like, go get Carlson. You go get him. So that's what Dubas did. And Crosby felt like this roster was good enough to possibly compete for whether a playoff spot or try to make one more championship run. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out the way Crosby nor the organization or the team has thought it would. Um, but again, Carlson hasn't been a great fit. I think more of a. I think he'd be a better fit being the sole number one defenseman. Um, but that's that's just my take on that. I just want to bring up something I mentioned at the beginning of the year when we were doing our previews. Um, yeah. uh, it was about Eric Carlson and uh, Chris Letang maybe not really working out well together. Like I kind of talked about how you know in San Jose when they had Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. You know, both great players, especially when they were in their prime. Brent Burns, one of the best offensive two-way defensemen in the game. Same Eric Carlson, top two, top three offensive defensemen in the league. They get together, and it just, it just didn't work. Like, mm-hmm. when you have two guys that play a very similar style game that are used to being, like, the best defenseman on their team, you know, the power play go-to quarterback... It, it, it tends not to work, and I feel like that's what's happening with Pittsburgh is they don't really know how to divide that time between Latang and, and Carlson. Obviously, you don't want them out there at the same time because I don't think that would work at all. But then he's like, okay, which one do we use the more? Like, which one do we make our feature player? And I don't think it would have – I, I, I didn't really think it was going to work. They – um. Because look, at, look at what happened with, like, Brent Burns and Carlson after they separated them. They both, like, got right back on track. Mm-hmm. You like I I know I mentioned this when we were talking about this as well as like you look at every team um around the league that has that number one defenseman and that's it. Canucks have Quinn Hughes, you have the stars with um Heisken and Sabres have Dalian and the uh Avalanche have Makar and the list goes on and you look at it, and it's like, okay, you look at those guys that are the power play one quarterbacks or just the quarterbacks on the when they're on the ice in general, right? You look at the number two defenseman. Uh, at the time, I know Samuelson last season with Dowling was really good defensively. Obviously, he's kind of had a drop-off. Uh, Quinn Hughes has a guy like Devin Taser, Bowen Byram, and... The, and the list goes on. Hedman has had Sergachev for the longest time and still does. So, again, you with, that, with Pittsburgh, they tried to make it work with these two guys. Carlson was just a wrong for Latang. I think Carlson more needed a defensive partner instead of having both guys together. So, I think that's just kind of where it's, fair, where it's failed. And with an offensive defenseman like him, you kind of need that defensive partner that can kind of have your back per se and kind of help cover up your defensive liabilities so yeah um, it's i mean it'll be interesting to see what pittsburgh does i can't really see him being big buyer they don't have any assets to set by like to, right. to, to you to get to get trade for um and they they kind of need to stop start start stockpiling like the the prospect pool and get some more draft picks because they life without Sidney crosby's coming sooner rather than later and then you start getting ready for it i i agree with that they they got to start 
getting prepared for it now. If you guys are looking to buy cheap tickets, go to SeatGeek, whether it's the website or the app, and search on whatever event you want to attend. The search bar is going to be right up top. And when you're scrolling through whatever tickets you're looking for, it's going to tell you whether it's a great deal, good deal, or a bad deal. The green dot is going to be a great deal. A yellow dot is going to be a decent deal and then the red dot's going to be a bad deal if you're looking for the cheapest tickets around and also some great deals go to seekgeek.com use code checking from behind to save $20 off your first purchase and moving on here to a team that is currently 2-8 and 6 since the start of the new year and that is the Los Angeles Kings and after their mo after one of their recent losses to the Buffalo Sabres Drew Doughty ended up calling out the team, saying that some of these guys just care about their personal stats, not about the team. Kings went up 3-1 after the first period, and it seemed like after that, uh, according to Doughty, some guys thought it would be a cakewalk and just tried to pad their own stats. I, I think the Kings right now got off to a hot start. They've been struggling lately. Now they just got off another overtime loss to the Blues. Yeah, they might be stockpiling one-point games, but at some point, you have to turn these one-point games into two-point games in regulation or overtime slash shootout losses, and it's just been, it has not been great for the Kings recently. Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about them, like, before the year and, like, towards the beginning of the year, they looked great. Like, mm -hmm. they they got Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, okay, like, they've elite setter depth, and he started off the year pretty strong. But, uh, you know, since then, he's kind of fizzled out, and you're starting to see some drama uh, spill out of the locker room. When you have a guy like Drew Doughty, like, calling out players to the media after a game, that's that's not good. I think that that's usually, like, a last resort. Cause I, I don't think you ever really want to bring shit out of the locker room as, like, a player. You kind of want to keep that all internally because you don't want the media to start writing crap or asking mm -hmm. questions. And, you know, you want to you want to kind of keep the drama in-house and resolve it in-house if possible. If you I go ahead, sir. I think Tom McClellan has even said something about like the guys weren't playing hard enough lately. You know, he's kind of tr calling out his team. You know, and challenging players in the room. It's just really interesting. You know, they they started off well. They seem to be faced. They face some adversity, and like they're they're not handling it well at all. Um, we've seen it in the past where some coaches will call out their players or players will call out other players, whatever, and the team responds well, and the Kings have not responded well as either, and it's not only the guys up front, but also Cam Talbot has kind of taken a step back during this as well, and if you don't include the overtime slash shootout losses, whatever, they've lost seven straight games, they're 0-5-2, their last seven, five, uh, last seven games, uh, precisely, and at one point, they were up there with the Canucks and the Golden Knights in the Pacific, and now they're currently uh, tied for first in the, on the wildcard race with the St. Louis Blues, both at 54 points. And right behind them are the Preds and the Kraken at 53 and 50 points, respectively. So right now, they're treading on hot water. You have the Blues that are trending up, the Preds are trending up, and then you have the Kings that aren't trending up. And you have the Oilers, which leapfrogged you and now are five points ahead of you with two games in hand in your own division and it's just been an entire collapse by the kings and hopefully this all-star break kind of lights it kind of gives them a break kind of makes them sit back and just you know take a self-realization that they got to get back to work they got to get back to what worked early in the season and just kind of get you know get back to like just Doing what, doing what they did last season, doing what they did this season, and Cam Talbot needs to start stepping it up. They need to start scoring goals. Uh, they just need to start 
playing more as a team and a unit rather than as individual players. So I, I think hopefully the All-Star break helps them just come together as a unit. But, I mean, we'll see because if this continues after the All-Star break and we're talking about this at the deadline about them being out of a playoff spot and wondering, like, what they should do at the deadline, whether they should just stay pat, sell, buy, whatever. Like, that's, that's going to be a problem for LA. Yeah, I mean, I think if they keep playing like this, they keep not winning games. I think this could potentially get Tom McClellan fired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought he's been a, he's done a pretty good job since he got to LA. You know, getting the team back on track. They were kind of in like the midst of a rebuild. He comes in towards the tail end of it. You know, you saw younger guys starting to take the next step. Uh, Quentin Byfield, you know, is is starting to blossom this year. You know, he's been kind of disappointing his first couple of years in the league, but now he's starting to take that next step and, you know, starting to look like that player who was drafted second overall. You know, you got another great young player in Alex Turkit, who's, you know, he's still kind of going up and down between the AHL and the NHL. He's a good young prospect. You make that trade for PLO Dubois, and, like, you look at this team, it's like, okay, they have a pretty solid team. They have a good prospect pool. I mean, they're, they're kind of missing on a goalie, but... Uh, you know, the, the rest of the team's good enough to kind of make up for that for now until they, they have a goalie that's ready to play in the NHL full-time that isn't over 35 years old. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Drew Doughty was starting to come. Everything looked positive, and, mm-hmm. you know, I get it's tough to face some adversity. And, you know, they still have some vets left from that team, you know, when they won those two Stanley Cups. You know, Anze Kopitar is their captain. They still got Drew Doughty. You know, I think two of the best leaders in all of hockey. They've been there, seen everything. And you know, it's really bad if you if you got Drew Doughty calling you out. Uh, if Anze Kopitar says anything, I think at that point, you know, you got to make a trade mm-hmm. or do something to kind of show the players like this is unacceptable. Like we need to figure this out, or like I'm not like maybe send a guy down to the minors that you never thought would get sent down to the minors, or make a big trade or fire your coach because eventually something's going to have to be set like done by management to let these players know like you need to get your shit together. Like, we know what we have. We know what we're building. You either want to be here or we're going to get you get rid of you. You have to look at each other in the locker room and be like, okay, they the players and organization know they had the team to make a run. It's just, can they execute to do it? And again, like, like you said, management needs to shake, whether it's shake up the locker room, send somebody up, trade somebody, whatever. Fire Tom McClellan to get the boys fired up and be like, okay, like, they're not messing around because... If the management stays pat and just keeps Ty McClellan, they don't send anybody. They just keep their team roster, don't trade anybody. They're look and they're still struggling. They're looking at it as like, okay, like, is the organization really that serious about winning? Like, if they miss the playoffs this year, they're a gigantic failure because, like, they ha- I think the Kings have a good team. Mm-hmm. Like, their their weakest link is the goaltending. But Cam Talbot showed that he's been good enough to like win for this team if they play well enough in front of him. Like, I, the way they're playing right now is completely unacceptable. I, listen, I get, you need, uh, PLD, okay, we gotta talk, I, I, I do wanna bring up his name real quick, I know you did briefly, um, one, he's been a huge failure, 20 points in 47 games, has been an absolute failure, you trade Minus away, 15, minus 15. It's been bad, you trade away that depth to get PLD, and what you think is gonna be the missing piece, and... Alex Iafalo is out there playing. Yeah, look, look what Winnipeg's doing without PLD. Like, they finally got rid of that locker room guy, and now all of a sudden, like, they're one of the best teams in the West. 
65 points, uh, third in the Central. They're two points behind Colorado and the Stars. They're the fourth best team in the Western Conference. Like, is that is that a coincidence? Last season, they just snuck into the playoffs and kind of got, well, they towards the end of the series, they got killed versus Vegas. They put up a fight in the first couple games, but Vegas beat them almost handedly in the first round. Get rid of PLD, bring in... Uh, depth for the team and Connor Hellebuck's playing at a Vesna Trophy candidate season type of deal so they're playing well without PLD LA played well with PLD to start the season now you're kind of seeing the whole PLD effect this happened in Columbus happened in Winnipeg and now we're starting to see it in LA is it kind of early to say the PLD effect is happening in LA it could be early you know this is a whole team thing it's not just on one guy but again it's we've seen it I, I, I definitely don't think it's just him right uh, right, right, right he might be adding to that you know because you like you mentioned in Columbus and you know in Winnipeg he was noted as being kind of an issue in that locker room mm-hmm. you know uh, especially Columbus the way he left that team I'm surprised that anybody wanted to trade for him with mm-hmm. the way he quit on that team like I don't I, I understand like you're not happy with the situation like Columbus wasn't really in a good spot to like be competing for a cup you know, you want to go to a place where you can win, and you're frustrated. And I I understand that, but you know, you're a professional hockey player. You're getting paid the millions of dollars to play a game. Like, just go out there and play hard. Like, it's not that hard. You know, management will work with you to find a trade to get you wherever you need to go. You know, don't just go out there and coast because I would never want to play with you again. Like, dude, I I get I get that you're frustrated. I get you want to move on. I get you want to leave. Like, I completely understand. Like. Sometimes you just need a change in your life. Like that's completely understandable, but don't quit on your team. That's one thing you never ever ever do. You, and he's done that. He's done he's or he's been proven to do that. Like you imagine you're just chilling or whatever, whether you're on the ice with him or you're on the bench, whatever. And you're working your ass off. Everybody on the team's frustrating that you guys are struggling, whatever, but you the entire team is working at it, knowing that you guys can break through, right? You look over, you see one of your teammates is on the ice for a shift, just coasting around in the intro zone, not even, he's just waving his stick like this, like standing straight up and everything and not even giving a fuck. And then he goes to the bench. Do you know how insulting that would be to, to he you? He did that with John Tortorella right. as his coach too. Like that's insane. I'm surprised Tortorella didn't literally murder her in the locker room. <laughs> Gets into the locker room, punches him in the face. I'm, I'm, I'd almost assume without John Tortorella is he probably wanted to punch him in the face. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It probably took a lot for him to not, uh, like, rip him apart. It's it's pathetic what PLD does, like, effort-wise. The second things go wrong, he quits. And you, it kind of shows you that he probably grew up his entire life with not really dealing with any type of adversity. Now, I don't know what he's gone through in his life, so I'm not going to speak on it. I'm not going to speak on it, whatever. Uh, but it's just the body language just isn't great. Like, it's happening with L.A. right now, so... We'll see what happens with PLD and the rest of the entire LA Kings team. We'll see I mean, how it they're, shakes they're, out. But. They're stuck with him. He's in year one of an eight-year contract, so they're going to have to find a way to make it work. Like, yes. They're going to have to figure something out because he's not getting traded. You know, He's in year one of an eight-year deal. You know, He doesn't have a no-trade clause this year, but starting next year, he has a full no-movement clause, so you can't trade him. No team's going to trade for that contract right now. You're, you're stuck with him. you you, you got to figure something out. you got to find a way to make it work. Because whether you like it or not, he's going to be with you for seven more years after this. 
We'll see. We'll see if the LA Kings can uh, figure it out over there in uh, California. Um, but with another team that really hasn't been performing up the expectations or I guess the media expectations are the New Jersey Devils. And this season, they are currently out of a playoff spot at 51 points in 47 games, a 24-20-3 record. And before we really talk about what has gone wrong with this team, they have just dealt with a numerous amount of injuries. Um, but Next man up, this could scream more at a depth issue for the Devils, but at the same time, the youngest blue line in the league, one of the youngest teams in general in the, in the league, and then you also don't really have a goaltender at all. Could you, Your Jack Hughes is on IR for the second time this season, unfortunately, and things have kind of fallen apart for the Devils before our eyes. Yeah, I mean, like you said, they've been uh, pretty injured. I'm trying to pull up a stat like man games lost to injury, but uh, I can't find a good reliable one. It's a but, lot, uh, though. Yeah, I mean, you had you had uh, Jack Hughes like playing at an MVP level, you know, at the beginning of the first part of the season. He looked unstoppable. You know, he gets hurt. He's out for a while. Nico Heischer gets hurt. He's out for a while. You know, Dougie Hamilton just got hurt. Um, you've had a lot of guys, you know, coming in and out of the lineup due to injury. Uh, it's, it's hard to stay consistent when you, your top players are – out of your lineup like every, every other night like it, it's it's just hard it's it and then what on today or yesterday or whatever eric holla gets hurt as well um which is another huge blow to your team as well so they got it they got to figure this injury thing out and i don't think they're necessarily underperforming with not only what they um with what they've been doing with injury wise but also i think it was more last season they kind of overperformed i mean yeah you get bounced in the second round, but again, you're a super young team. Your window is just open. You had 112 points last season. This season, everybody's expecting you to kind of make that jump and potentially either win the Metro or make a, a big Stanley Cup run, whatever, Eastern Conference Finals run, and it seems like that's not going to happen unless things really turn around. Um, so. It was more I think they. I, I think they can make the playoffs this year. So like, they're definitely not out yeah. of it. Oh, one hundred percent. Like if they can get healthy at the right time, you know, um, somebody that they're paying a lot of money starts playing a little bit better too. Uh, that would definitely help. Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's tough sometimes to overcome those injuries. Like they're still like a super young team. Like their defensemen right now, like they've. Colin Merrill, he's 31 years old, but all the and John Marino, 26. All the rest of the guys are 24 or under. Like Luke Hughes, I think he's been great this year. Where he defenseman Simon Nemec, he's only 19. Those are guys are 20, 19 years old. Like it's a lot to ask for them to like. Hey, like our best defenseman's hurt and he's going to be out for a while. Like what you one of you guys want to carry the load? And I think defensemen are the hardest like to, to transition to for young players. Like the hardest to like step in and make an impact right away. You know, it usually takes a few years. You, you really look at some of the, the best defensemen in the league. Most of them weren't all stars like their first couple of years in the league. It took them a few years to get going. One notable uh, player I like to talk about is Victor Hedman. Like it took him a few years to you know get Six going, but now he's considered one of the best defensemen in the league. Like borderline Hall of Fame player. So like it, it takes time. You know, I mean, they got a lot. They they. Their depth is getting tested right now too, with like injury. I think Tyler Foley's been pretty solid, you know, for what they're asking him to do. Uh, you know, Nikir Heischer been has been good. Jesper Brad, I think, is a stud. Mm -hmm. Really underrated player. I don't really think he gets enough attention as he should. You know, he has fifty points, forty seven games this year. Like he's been one player who's been like super consistent for them this year. 
and uh you know he's definitely worth every penny he's living up to that contract he got the contract yes he got from them yeah um i because i look at this roster i'm like okay healthy they have a pretty good young roster but then you look at the goaltending it's like goaltending is bad um i don't know like any changes should be made with this, whether it's the roster, whether they make a coaching change, whether they just kind of, I mean, they could stay pat and be like, we don't really want to change up the roster, that we don't want to fire Lindy Ruff or anything, and we don't really want to get a goaltender. Um, but again, Fitzgerald's going to be have to look at this like in like a month or whatever. If he feels like they can make a run, He'll make changes. Fitzgerald is going to make a move if he feels like this roster is ready enough. We saw it last season with uh, Timo Meyer. Um, but their goaltending, Vita Vanacek, 886 save percentage with the goals against of 3.24. And Nico Dawes in eight games has not been any better. 3.43 goals against an 895 save percentage. So their goaltending has definitely been a problem for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see them doing anything dra- rash, like firing Lindy Ruff or, you know, making a big trade or anything. I think for now, just stay put, you know. We got a young team, let them figure it out. Like, you know, this is the first time in a long time they've had real expectations on placed upon them. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're out, you're, you're missing two of your best players in Jack Hughes and uh, Dougie Hamilton. Let them figure it out. Um, I know Timo Meyer has been a really frustrating player for them this year. You know, he just got a big contract and he's not living up to it right now. Um, you know, hope he can stand step up. I don't really think they need to make a big move at the deadline either, unless there's a goaltending available. Like if they get to the trade deadline and like, okay, like we have a better chance of making the playoffs than not. But then I think they can make a move for a goalie, maybe potentially a guy like Mark Andre Fleury to bring in. Not even to start, but just kind of be a mentor to, you know, Vanacek or Schmid. You know, just to have a guy like that in the room, I think, just is a, a big thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, Van- like you said, Vanacek has not been good enough this year. Neither is Schmid. Like, they've both been bad for them. And they're costing their team games. Like, if they had a, if they had a good goalie, they're probably com- pretty comfortably in a playoff spot right now, even with all these injuries. It's It's just been kind of hard to watch. If you were a Devils fan, you're like... Maybe we could uh maybe we could be in a playoff spot right now if our goaltending was any better. And if your one of your highest paid guys on your team, Timo Meyer, actually was playing better than eighteen points in thirty four games. He didn't miss some time to injury, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But he's getting paid like a top player. He should be playing like a top player if he's in the lineup, whether he is hurt or not. Oh, he's the he he's paid more than Jack Hughes. Like he needs to play like an elite player. Like you're getting paid elite player money. I, I, I do think that Tyler Toffoli has kind of done his part as well. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't think you complain about how he's played. He's been really good. I think Palat's been okay for them, too. You know, you you said Eric Hall got hurt today. Yeah, or yesterday, yeah, that, that, I guess. He was, that's gonna, uh, if it's long-term, that's going to hurt. He's, been, right, he's a really good depth player for them. He's Right now, uh, what I'm looking at is that he's just listed as day-to-day, so hopefully he'll be back when they uh, come back from the All-Star break, which would be, which would be nice for them. So. I mean, they got some good young players, too, like Alexander Holtz, Dawson Mercer. Like, they've both been pretty solid, really young players, both 22. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they have a really good young team. It's just it's just growing pains, honestly. You know, you have injuries. You're still looking for that goalie. I guarantee you, once this team finds a goalie, they are going to be an elite team for a while. They'll be absolutely ridiculous. And that's the only missing piece that they're missing right now. 
Um, oh yeah, goalie. Yeah, I think they can make. I, they could have potentially made a cup run last year if they had a goalie. They had a good enough team. It, it's it's just kind of. It's not sad to see, but it's just like, damn, that little. It's like I don't want to. I don't want to like compare it to the Thanos glove, but it's like. It's almost kind of like that. Now, I'm not saying they would be this ridiculous dynasty unstoppable team if they had a competent goaltender, but it kind of kind of feels like it's just that one piece that's missing. So oh, yeah, it's, they're definitely missing. Yeah, they, I think um, they kind of need maybe a little bit more depth, but, mm-hmm. you know, like let the young guys keep developing. Let them go through this adversity. Let them figure it out because this is something every good team has to go through. It's like you're finally dealing with expectations. Like some teams handle it well, some teams don't. Like look at the Sabres. A lot of expectations on this team this year. They have not handled it well at all. And they have a team very similar to the Devils depth-wise and, you know, goaltending-wise. And, like, they shit the bed this year. Like, I've, I think all things considered, with all the shit the Devils have had to go through this year, they've actually been pretty good. They've they've handled it pretty decently well, so. I mean, they have a good head coach. I really like Lindy Ruff. You know, he's old school, but... You know the play. He, he works well with the players, and he's not going to let them like feel sorry for themselves. Like, look, guys, I know you guys were, were fucked with injuries right now. Overcome it. Next guy up. Like, we you're all here for a reason. We need you to play. I kind of want to react to some of our preseason predictions and what we kind of what we kind of got right, what we got a ton wrong. Kind of want to go through like our biggest misses for every division. So like I'm looking mm-hmm. back through our Metropolitan. We had we pretty much had the same predictions. We just had yeah. the Washington Capitals and Islanders switched mm-hmm. out. Um I had Pittsburgh we both had Pittsburgh finishing third. That obviously isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um You know, I, st- I and we all had the Flyers in eighth. Uh, <laughs> fly- yeah, uh, I mean I, I don't think anybody saw the Flyers coming this year. Uh, I, 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 we certainly did it. I, you know, I thought they were going to be bad. Like they looked like they were going to be a bad team. And like you know, credit to them. They're outperforming everybody's expectations. You know, Tortorella's got them playing hard. Uh, they've ha- they've had some crazy shit go on this year too. Like that whole thing, with Carter Hart and Carter Gauthier. Like they've gone through some weird crap, and like they're still playing well. They're still playing hard. They're a tough team to play against. Like, credit to credit to them. Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I, the Devils have been kind of ravaged by injuries. You kind of just went over that. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think our predictions for our, the Metro were that crazy. They weren't. Besides the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh being at three and Flyers being at eight, no. Um, uh, like we kind of moving on to the Atlantic, we kind of touched on that at all. You have, I, I think your craziest miss was you had the Bruins not making the playoffs. Mine was I had the Panthers not making the playoffs. <laughs> uh. I, Kind of thought going into the year, okay, like they had that crazy cup run and they barely made the playoffs last year, and they were gonna be, make Miss Ekblad and Montour for like a good part of the re- the first part of the regular season. And I thought that would be a little too much for them to overcome, you know. And then Sam Reinhardt happened. <laughs> Sam Reinhardt decided to put up forty, almost forty goals by the All Star break. Yeah, uh, the Panthers really like hold up, let him cook. <laughs> They've been. You know, I, I I've liked the Panthers, but. You know, and I was a little high on the Senators too, and we were all low on the Red Wings. You know, yeah. kind of. The Atlantic I mean, was yeah. kind of all over the place for us. I mean, I mean, the only thing we were all consistent on was picking Toronto to finish first. Yeah, that was almost like a given. Well, the Bruins probably are would be finishing first instead, but at the well, time, Toronto might end up being a wild card team. Yeah, they're sitting right now, fifty-eight points in the first, so. So then, and then looking back at the Central Division, so I had Colorado, you had Dallas, but I think both are still like 
and either of them could happen. You know, right, they're both right. kind of fighting for uh, winning that division right now. I think the biggest surprise in the Central is obviously <laughs> the Jets. Yeah. You know, none of us had them making the playoffs. Um, you know, you know, credit to them. They've been great this year. They might legit win the division too. And also, we all had the, the Wild <laughs> making the playoffs, which uh, didn't happen. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, they kind of a transition year for them. You know, you had the Predators making the wild card. Like yeah. that—that's that's a good pick. Uh, I, I thought they would be close to a wild card. I didn't think yeah. they'd be good enough for a wild card. I, I'm, but, uh, I'm gonna be real. I only picked them because I was like, Saros is their goaltender. All right, I'm picking them. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think we pretty much almost all had the same picks. You had yeah, the Coyotes coming last, mm-hmm. and I tried to warn you, like they're not gonna be ass. Yeah. Yeah, you you tried, and I was like, I'm sticking with it, and here they are, fifth in the wild card race. So props to you. Yeah, and then uh, Pacific, Pacific. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, I mean for the most part, we're not super wrong. The only thing is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I don't think anyone expected the Vancouver Canucks to do what they are doing right now you know we keep waiting for them to like okay this is unsustainable they're gonna start losing they're gonna start losing they're not losing they're not losing they're eight on two in their last 10 like mm-hmm. they're a legitimately good team i remember when we were talking about it when like they got off to the hot start back in, and, and we did it in like end of november you know maybe first week of december we were talking about it we're like all right, like all the you you said it yourself. You're like all the advanced stats, all of the gurus. It's like the Canucks are lucky that they're starting off this hot, just waiting for them to fall off, and they've kept it up. So mm-hmm. it's oh, even like even like all the hockey stats guys and the advanced analytics guys. They're like, I, this is like they're breaking the trend. They're mm-hmm. Good for them. I'm wrong. Right, like, they, I'm, they proved me wrong. Pedersen and um. Besser have been ridiculously on my fantasy teams though. So I mean, Thatcher Demko might win the Vesna, man. It's he's him been, and he's been that good. Lose at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, and Thatcher Demko might legit win the Vesna. I remember he was on the trade block a year or two mm-hmm. ago. And so look, was uh, Brock Besser. Yep. And now look at him. They're thriving in Vancouver over there in uh, British Columbia. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, they're good. I mean, we'll see what they do in the playoffs, but deck of a regular season, like, they've got a pretty big point cushion right now in first place in the, the Pacific. I mean, we'll see what Vegas does. They're starting to get a little healthier now. They got, just got in Hill back, so I, I expect them to get on, go on a little bit of a run. But uh, you know, they have a, they're playing. Uh, I think Edmonton, like first game after the All Star break, so that's going to be a pretty crazy game with Edmonton on that uh, big winning streak to see if they can tie the record for the longest in NHL history. It would be wild if Edmonton's like nah and they just lose it. Although I don't, I, I don't see Vegas that. has their number, man. Vegas, yeah. I mean, they they smoked them last year in the playoffs. You never know. You never know what's gonna happen over there. I, I, I wonder like, cause I'm thinking like, am I kind of surprised that we put, um, Seattle third? I don't, I don't even, cause at the time it seemed like okay maybe they can continue what they're doing and everything, but, I mean them at three and LAF four. I don't think LAF four was crazy at all, especially with. No, I don't think so right either. Now. I don't think that. I don't think that was crazy either. No. I mean, I kind of expect to Seattle to kind of keep going. What they like, they kind of surprised everyone and made the second round of the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. You know, beating a really good Colorado team in seven games, which that was a crazy series. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I kind of expected them to like. Okay, like they're a good well-rounded team. They don't really have a superstar yet. You know, Beniers is still developing. Um, goaltending is kind of a question mark. And they didn't start off the year well. They started yeah. off really slow. 
you know, that goaltending kind of held them back. You know, uh, George Corden then came in and started playing really well. Um, I still think they can compete for a wild card spot. I think they have a good enough team. Um, I mean, the Oilers are kind of saving our butts right now in this yeah. division because they started <laughs> off so bad, but like they, yeah. they they finally woke up and they figured out like, oh, we're actually not a completely shitty team. We have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. We should probably do better. The our our division predictions outside of maybe a couple of them, I think we're pretty not they weren't spot on, but I mean I out of ten I'd give them like a six and a half. I think the worst one we did was probably the Atlantic. Yes, the Atlantic was definitely our worst. Like, but I mean, uh, yeah, we. I mean, you had the Bruins not making the playoffs. I had the fly, fly the Panthers, and we both had the Sabers making the playoffs. Yeah, we so. both had the Red Wings at seven. So yeah, so uh, I, I think that I think that's what we did the worst on. I'll I'll give us a pass for Philly and Vancouver because I didn't think either of them were going to be that good this year. I don't think anybody though, did. Nobody did. Nobody, especially the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Like, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, like, oh, the, the, the Canucks would make the playoffs, like, okay, they're probably a wild card dude or something. You told me, like, they're playing like this and they win, like, end up winning their division. I'm like, what? You're fucking crazy. Exactly. It's like, what? Did, like, all the Vegas get hurt and, like, Edmonton <laughs> get hurt? It's like, oh, nope, the Canucks are just that good. Canucks just decided to, every five games they win, they only lose one, and it's probably in overtime or a shootout, which is nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like, like last ten, eight, zero oh, and two, so they don't really lose in like racial, like regulation that much. They're just, they're just not stopping. And um, moving on to the final thing we're going to talk about on today's pod are our biggest surprises. And my, we're going to do one team, one player. My team is the Philadelphia Flyers, who are right now sitting pretty in the Metro, at third in the Metro. They are currently twenty five, nineteen to six with fifty six points in fifty games played. They do, uh, they are. They have more games played than the Hurricanes and Rangers, which they are trailing. But they are four points up on the Islanders. They have just been a very, very impressive team. And it's a little bit of a combination of everything. You have Travis Konechny and Farabee leading the way in scoring. But I think the biggest reason is not only Torch coming in, but also getting Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson back. And, of course, you had the goaltending with Carter Hart, who before all of like the allegations, before he kind of took a personal leave t- from the team, he was playing in 26 games at a 2.8 goals against and a 906 save percentage. You have Erson in 25 games at 2.6 goals against average, which is good, but I like to measure goalies being really good by save percentage, and he has an 898 save percentage, and now unfortunately you're forced to play Cal Pedersen and call him up, and now you're playing with Pedersen and Erson, which we'll see what happens. Um, down the stretch of the season if they keep this up or if goaltending is really going to kind of hinder them. But I think Torts is the biggest reason on to why the Flyers haven't, I mean, why the Flyers have been uh, this almost dominant team. So, I mean, they just play hard. Like, they mm-hmm. hound you. Like, they don't take, like, forecheck really, really hard, and they force a lot of teams to make mistakes, you know. And I'm curious to see how they're going to do now with our Carter Hart probably for the rest of the year. I'd be shocked if he came back. You know, we're not really going to get into that. But, uh, you know, he's been good for them this year. You know, everyone was like, you know, because he started off his rookie year. He came out really hot, really good. He kind of took a a step back the last few years. And he's starting to look like his old self, you know. Whatever's going on with that, you know, I'm going to let that figure it out. If he comes back, great. If not, then the Flyers got to figure something out because I'm sure they had plans for him to be their long-term goalie. But now you kind of, you know, they have Cal Peterson. But is he good? No. 
<laughs> but um, you know they have a they're building a really good prospect pool. Uh, you know they just signed Owen Tippett to a long term extension. I think it's a really team friendly deal. And uh, don't forget, Matevi Michkov is coming. He's going to be here in a couple years. years. That kid is going to be a superstar when he comes to the league. Briere's building a good team, so you know. And I give him a lot of credit for getting rid of Cutter uh, Gautier. You know, guy mm -hmm. clearly didn't want to be there. And you get uh, Jamie Dysdale. Like, that's a good defense. But I think that's a really good trade for the Flyers. I mean, obviously, right. you don't want to, you know, you know Gautier was like a top five pick, but so was Drysdale. And also, you're as an organization, you want guys that want to be here there and be the at, on the team. So if Cutter doesn't want to be here, just ship off, ship him off. Like it's not a, it's not a huge deal. And you get Jamie Drysdale and ask more defense defense. And you get a, and you get a second round pick. Exactly. So, that's, so I think I think that's a great trade for the Flyers. You know, you, 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 you just get. I mean, that also sets a good precedent for the organization. It's like, okay, if you don't want to be here, like just tell me, we'll we'll, we'll trade you. Like no big deal. We we want to build we want to we want to build a team we, a team of guys that are dedicated to the Flyers and we want them they want to win here. And like if you bought into that, great. Welcome to the team. We're well, happy to have you. And I, when you have a whole group, a whole like locker room buy-in to like mm -hmm. whatever the team's doing, they just play better together. Yep, it's you. you see and you can it. see it, they play like a team. Like they don't have any superstar individual. They play a very well-rounded team game. They right now in the forty-six to fifty games played that I'm looking at right now in the player stats, they have two guys over uh, at forty-plus points. Uh, they have four total guys with 30-plus points that are currently sit third in the Metro. So that tells you more about the team and the coaching than really they, they play as a unit, not an individual team. So Honestly, Tortorella should be a serious candidate for Coach of the Year with the way with what he's done with the Flyers this year. It's really impressive. Great take. Great take. And um, my team, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, biggest surprise this year is uh, obviously the Vancouver Canucks. You know, they've always had a pretty decent roster the last few years, but, you know, they just couldn't put it together. Like last year, I remember with Boost Boudreau at the beginning of the year, like they would like get out to crazy leads and they would just find the craziest way to blow games. Like they would lose in like the craziest fashion. They were like the Los Angeles Chargers of the NHL. Like they would just find the stupidest ways to lose. And it's usually self-inflicted wounds. And, um, you know, they bring in uh, Rick Tockett, and he seems to have completely turned that team around. You know, I was kind of puzzled when they signed JT Miller to that long-term contract because he was on the trade deadline, like block at the deadline. They didn't have a move again, but everyone was kind of like, what are they doing? Like, you guys 30, uh, you know, the team's not doing great. You can get a lot for him there. I'm sure they were getting off for, like, multiple first-round picks because the guy's a great first-line player. You know, and they end up signing him to the eight-year contract. And we're like, oh, like that's interesting. And, you know, he's been really good for them this year. Like, he, he's a great player. Elias Pettersson, um, I think, with the, how good this team's been this year, I think they're going to get a, something done with him long-term. Mm -hmm. um, they, they might have a guy end up being the odd guy out, and that guy might, unfortunately, end up being Brock Besser long-term. I mean, they still have another year left on the contract for him, so I'm sure they'll figure something out. Um but, like, their forward, like, their top six forward group has been really, really good for them. And then you got Quinn Hughes, like, oh, he's going to be a Norris finalist, arguably an MVP candidate with how good he's been playing. You have a Vesna candidate, Desher Demko. You know, when you have your your top six and you're, you have a, an elite defenseman and an elite goalie, you're going to be a really good team. And they have, they have pretty good depth. Like, they brought in Nikita Kucherov. Uh, out of Calgary earlier this year, and he's been a nice complimentary, like defensive piece um, to that team. You know, they're getting contributions from the bottom six when they need to. So, I mean, this is a pretty well-rounded team, and their power play is just disgusting. 
their their depth I think not only well for one when you look at their depth you have guys like Kuzmenko uh, Bluger Holander um and that just sit at like 20 points in like 47 games Bluger has 21 and 35 Kuzmenko 21 and 43 that is what you want to see out of depth guys. You don't expect your depth guys to come in and put up the number, like put up a point per game, basically. You want them to con- contribute in ways that, you know, they almost, I guess, they take advantage of their like 12 to 15 minutes on the ice or whatever, and they're in there to like kill penalties, whatever, do other things besides just put the puck in the back of the net. That's what your top guys are for. Like Miller, Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, and Heronic are really your five guys that are more focused on that. Um, but yeah, they're they're getting scoring and like let let's say I don't know their middle six to bottom six guys are at forty plus points and they play eighty games. Let's say I don't know Kuzmenko for example, he's on pace for forty points in an eighty two game season. For a guy that really sits on like your third line uh, and sometimes rotates between the second and third line, whatever, that's good. That that's what you want out of your guys and Teddy Bluger and the games that he hasn't been injured 21 points 35 games that's great that's an 82 game season he's putting up almost 50 points like that's what you want they're getting contributions from their bottom guys in their lineup and and you combine that with your top guys with having four guys over 50 points in 40 games and then having your fifth guy uh be defenseman philip Peronic with 36 points in 49 games combine that with vesna caliber uh goaltending you're in great shape, so I, I think they've done a hell of a job over there in Vancouver. And Rick Tockett should most definitely be a, a Jack Adams Award candidate too. I think he'll end up winning the award. Uh, you know, with the way he's turned his team around so quickly. Even though I think Torts is just as deserving, mm-hmm. but um, I'm really curious to see what this team will do in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, I mean, they've been really good in the regular season so far. Playoff hockey's different. Very different. I think they have the depth good enough to go on a little bit of a run if Demko keeps playing like this in the playoffs. Like. They, they could, I could see them making it to the cup final, even the conference final, um, if they keep playing like this. I mean, expectations are going to be really high. You know, playoff hockey in Canada is just different than it is in the United States, especially Vancouver. That is a really intense fan base. I remember when they lost the Stanley Cup final in 2011, like people were like rioting because mm-hmm. they blew like a 3 1 series lead. It was a really bad collapse. And they had a, they had a really good team back then. They, they, the Sedin twins. Uh, Ryan Kessler, Luongo, they had a really good team, and I, it's it, hockey's different up there. <laughs> well, so I'm honestly kind of glad we were wrong about the Canucks. I'm I'm happy to see them doing well with all. Really, I mean, last season they kind of struggled, um, holding leads like you mentioned, and now their top guys are performing. And look at Quinn Hughes blossoming into defenseman that we all thought he'd be, um, but. Our surprise players here, I'm going to start with Noah Dobson. I think he should be uh, with Cal McCarr, Quinn Hughes. I think he should be the third defenseman. That should be a finalist now for the Norris. Do I think that he kind of has, has a chance with them? Probably not with the seasons, offensive seasons that they're having. But Noah Dobson, though, has 52 points in 49 games for the Islanders. He already beat his career high, which was... Um, 51 in 2021-2022 with the Islanders in which he played 80 games. Last season he had 49 and 78 games. So 
He's made steps improving his offense, and he's been a key part into why the Islanders are kind of hanging around here, uh, kind of lingering in like the middle of the Eastern Conference race. And the fact that he's only 24 makes it even better. Like he's just he's just about to enter his prime, and he's just showing you on why he's going to be a number one defenseman on the Islanders for a long time. And in his last five games, he has four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points in his last five games. Now, you do that just as a forward in the NHL, that's impressive. To do it as a defensive is uncanned stuff that he's doing there. So, again, he's putting up every... He's not putting up a ridiculous amount of points, but to be over a point per game as a defenseman is just very impressive. And I think he kind of came out of nowhere. I know Islanders fans probably saw some of this coming with him last season and putting up 50 points in uh, 2021-2022 almost doing it last season and now this season he's finally breaking out into the player that Islanders fans have always thought he was going to be so again Noah Dobson is a huge surprise and kind of came out of left field for most of us oh, nobody, nobody's talking about him still like mm-hmm. literally nobody like I see people t- like when I see conversations around like best defenseman in the league Quinn Hughes Kale McCarr like Victor Hedman obviously like those are proven elite players but like Noah Dobson I know he's still young he's starting to take that next step and I feel like people should start talking about him more I'm I totally I'm totally with you. Kind of sucks that nobody's talking about him, but I mean, when you have Quinn Hughes, Cal McCarr, and company kind of playing out of their minds, it's like, you know, he kind of flies under the radar. So, I mean, when we were planning this, I was just going through their stats, and I saw no adoption, and I saw his stats. I was like, gee, Dan, like, why is nobody talking about this kid? Like, he's been really good. He has 52 points. You know, third in the league for defensemen in points, only behind McCarr and Hughes. Like, nobody's talking about this kid. Like, nobody. Like, a giddy place for the Islanders, like, a kind of a bit of a boring team that doesn't get a ton of attention, but he's been consistent. I like him. I like him a lot, so. Yeah. And so my uh, surprise player, again, kind of going with the obvious one, is uh, is Sam Reinhart. You know, Sam, I think, has always been a great player, um, but was never really known for his goal scoring. He's kind of been seen more of, like, an all-round player, really good hockey sense, really good passer, really good awareness, but... uh, He's just taken that next step into being a goal scorer. Um, he has th- he already has beat his career high with 37 goals this year. His previous high was 33, and that's only in 49 games. Like you said earlier, he's on pace for like 62 goals this year, which is insane. I never really thought Sam Reinhardt would be capable of that. Uh, yo, he's taken his game to another level. He's 20 power play goals this year, which is like insane. And like you got to remember, like there's still 49 games left. Like I, he's legitimately a shot to win the rocket. And you know, Mike Matthews is scoring also on a historic pace right now. He already has 40 goals this year. You know, but uh, I think uh, Reinhardt could could catch him if he keeps playing like this. I mean, we'll see what happens after the All Star break. Things kind of tend to change. You know, you get that week off, kind of settle down, unwind. You know, it's it, sometimes it's hard to continue bringing that intensity and like that fire you've had into the locker room after you've been away for a little bit so i'm going to be really curious to see uh, if he cools down a little bit after the all-star break because i know matthews probably will not you know he's been he's a proven goal scorer like he's probably the best scorer in the league goal scorer in the league you know and nobody's expecting this from matt uh reinhardt so it wouldn't shock me uh if he slows down a little bit but i feel i still think he's gonna end up with like 50 goals this year minimum he's gonna end up with we're gonna be talking about him in march and be like Matt Reinhardt's can he catch 60 goals? Like they, I think that would be the conversation. Unless he either massively cools down after the All-Star break or he ends up suffering an injury, knock on wood. Uh, you obviously yeah. don't want to see that happen. So 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to score at least 50 anyway. Yeah. I oh, mean, oh, like, I, you know, I'm really happy for him, too, because, you know, like, obviously, we're both Sabres fans. Um, You know, a lot's happened with us over the last few years. We've had a lot of really good players, uh, you know, come in and out of the organization, Sam Reinhart being one of them. I feel like he's one of the few players that didn't leave on horrible terms. And didn't like absolutely like oh thank God I'm fucking gone I hate this place like I'll see yep. you guys later, like with a couple other players uh you know he I you know there's a video out there like the Sabers released kind of like these behind the scenes videos like they called them embedded where they kind of you know give you a little behind the scenes look at like what goes into like day to day operations and stuff like that and there was one uh, for the draft that year when Sam Reinhardt ended to go get traded and I've, I've never seen this happen before with a player. Uh, after he got traded, like the next day, he called GM Kevin Adams and like, he apologized. Like, hey man, I'm like, I just want to say, like, I'm sorry things never worked out here. I really like playing here. I really like living here. I really wish things could have worked out. You know, I kind of just feel bad. You know, I gave him my all, but you know, it, it wasn't good enough. And like, that's I think that says a lot about his character because you know, I, I don't think anyone holds it against him that like the Sabers weren't good when he was here. There was a lot of different things going on, and like he was one of the more consistent players like through his years there. And like I've always appreciated him. He's always one of those players that seemed to try, you know, every night for the Sabers when they were really bad, like really bad. Like look, dude, look at their roster from like the year they finished last place where we got Darlene. Like um, Darlene, like we had a we, look at all the look at the names on that roster. And look, look, look how they're doing now. Well, you know, I mean, you start off with guys like Benoit, I, I, Benoit Puglia, or whatever, Puglia, whatever, well, however you pronounce his last name and everything. Um, he, he, I'm pretty sure he was playing third line minutes at one point for us too. Or maybe well, I, 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 it might not be the last. It was, I think, it was the last year. It was like Darlene's second, first or second year when we started off really good. Mm -hmm. We had a good team. Like we it had was, Eichel, Reinhardt, yeah, uh, Risto, his... Skinner, yeah. <laughs> uh, it... Brandon Montour, Allmark. Like we had some good players, and now they're like stars on their other teams. <laughs> There's two things that can happen: either the Buffalo Sabers effect, or we moved on to them too soon. Well, we didn't move on from Michael too soon. Um, because, you know, it was a fallout between that. But, I mean, Reinhardt was due up for a deal when we traded him. And we just looked at, I, Kevin Adams just looked at the roster and was like, hey, like, probably either we're not going to bring you back. So we'll just trade your rights and everything. And I, think he, I think he did right by Sam. Yeah, you oh, know, 100%. he's been here. He was already here for like six or seven years. I don't think he was in the long-term plans. Like, you know, losing, it's hard to lose all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, especially like you know, he was the second overall pick. You know, you got a guy like Eichel, and like, is there, okay, you guys, we got you guys now. We got to be good now, and they just, it just never really came together. Yeah. And you know, you, you get used to losing in that COVID year, like, it was brutal for them. And you know, I don't blame him at all for not wanting to resign. You know, go see what's out there. You know, just get a refresh, man. Like, get your love of the game back. Like, I can't imagine. Like I've been on. Like I, I, I never played in the NHL. Like I've never played at any high level hockey. But like when I was on a bad team. It's it's not fun. Like it's not fun showing up to a game knowing you're gonna get your ass kicked. Like nobody enjoys that. Mentally, and I, I, just I, and I, I it's probably way worse at the professional level. Like Ryan O'Reilly literally said, "I lost my love for the game." Like, Robin Leonard would play games. For he lost his play. mind. Like he became an alcoholic here. Like. He he like, would mention in stories that he would be almost blackout drunk playing for the Sabers at some points, and no one no one on the team gave a shit. Right, it was just a chaotic, but 
I'm so glad I got Sam I got I got a little off track there, but like <laughs> I just want to get back. To, I'm happy for Sam. Yeah. I he I hope he keeps playing well, just not against the Sabers. You only score one goal against us. Don't score a hat trick. But uh, <laughs> you know I hope he keeps it going. I I hope Sam Reinhardt can get a cup, whether it's with Florida or somebody else. That would be. Because when he was here, he was one of my favorite players. I have his jersey, and I have a signed puck from him too. So like I I, I like Sam. He deserves it. No, he yeah. definitely deserves it. Um. But we're going to end it off there, fellas. A little bit of a longer one. I hope you guys enjoyed it if you guys stayed all the way through the hour and a half. Um, but anyways, though, if you guys want to see more content, all of our socials as well as the subscribe button down below. And we'll see you guys on our next episode.